the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're coming to an end of our walk through Philippians, and the purpose of Paul's letter to his most beloved little church was that he could encourage them in the faith, that he could bring and awaken through the Spirit of God in them their reliance and their recognition of that need for that life in their souls. They had received, most of them had received Jesus as their Savior. But there's a a deep need that needed to go beyond that. Knowing Jesus as your Savior will not save you in life. He must be your life in your soul. In that you walk with confidence knowing that He is in you, to you, everything that you will ever need to live. Because what is the point and purpose of this walk? What is the point and purpose of being on the planet? To know Him. And where do we most find that we, that we recognize our need to know Him? In our need. It is in our need that the revelation of Christ exists most of the time. And you know what? Our needs don't reveal a need for salvation. They reveal a need for life in the soul. In the soul. That's why I tell you, the size of your need is reflecting your capacity for God, for life. If the point and purpose of this walk is to know Him, then I have to, I have to deduct from that, from the Spirit, that the truth of this life in everything, in everything that I encounter is to expose Him, to reveal Him as my life. And in Philippians, Paul goes through a process and he starts out and he says, this is who you are. You are a child of God. You have been given all of the fullness of His life. You have the strength and the power of His Spirit within you. Everything that you need is in Christ, and He is within you. Now walk in this. Begin to live it out. Don't be distracted from the truth, because the fulfillment of every promise of Christ is in the living of Christ's life. Did you hear that? That the blessing of knowing Him is in the living the life of His life within you. You see, the Philippians could do like so many other churches. And they could reckon upon the salvation of God through Jesus Christ 
and then believed that the soul was strictly there for them to manage and survive somehow until he returned. That's not Christianity. That's not what God intended for us. If we believe that that this world is our provision for the soul, then we believe comfort is the goal of life. How's that working? We're going to go through Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 23. Then we're going to concentrate on 14 through 23. Verse 10, he says, I was made very happy in the Lord that you have revived your interest in my welfare after so long a time. You were indeed thinking of me, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, not that I'm implying that I was in any personal want, for I have learned how to be content satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. I know how to be abased and live live humbly in straitened circumstances, and I I know also how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well-fed or going hungry, having a sufficiency and enough to spare, or going without and being in want. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. But it was right and commendable and noble of you to contribute for my needs and to share my difficulties with me. And you Philippians yourself well know that in the early days of the gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church assembly entered into partnership with me and opened up a debit or and credit account in giving and receiving except you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent me contributions for my needs, not only once, but a second time. Not that I seek or am eager for your gift, but... I do seek and am eager for the fruit which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. But I have your full payment and more. I have everything I need and am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent me. They are the fragrant odor of an offering and sacrifice which God welcomes and which he delights. My God will liberally supply, fill to the full your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be the glory forever and ever through the endless eternities of eternities. Amen. So be it. Remember me to every saint, every born-again believer in Christ Jesus. The brethren, my associates who are with me, greet you. All the saints, God's consecrated ones here, wish to be remembered to you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace, spiritual favor, and blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, be with your spirit. Amen. So be it. In the beginning, or towards the middle of this verse, toward the middle of this chapter and to the end, Paul writes a thank you note of sorts to the Philippians. And he says to them, I am very grateful 
for your gift. But in reality, he is not pointing to the gift itself. You will notice that he doesn't even mention what the gift is. But he is pointing to the source. He is pointing to the significance of that gift. You see, Paul's grateful for the heart that's behind the gift. And what he sees in that gift is his kinship with these believers. What he sees is a mutual love for Christ. What he sees is the Father's love in their actions. You see, the reality of it is that Paul has learned that his provision doesn't come from individuals. He's not living by the good graces and affections of man. But that all that he has, he has because Christ has provided it through his life. It is the provision that is the heart of the Father for Paul. And what Paul is excited about when he says thank you is that he is, he is grateful for the revelation of Christ in the Philippians. He is grateful for the heart that is behind the gift. He is grateful that God has chosen to use them in his life. He tells them in chapter 1, verse 13, that he sees himself as a prisoner of Christ. And in that participation, what he says is, I am a prisoner in Christ. I am a prisoner in chain with Christ. And really, the, the, the inference of this is that he's chained to Christ. And what's going on there is that he is chained to the purposes of God in that place. Not because God has locked him to it. He's talking about a chain of the soul, a chain of the spirit. He's not talking about a physical chain so much as he is saying that I have committed my very life and being to the full revelation of Christ. And in that commitment, I sit here in chains, not of the Romans' will, but of Christ's will. And I am a part, participating by my yieldedness and my desire to know him I am participating in this imprisonment and as you have been giving unto me and as as you as Philippians have embraced my condition you too are to see the father's work and the father's hand and you too are to participate in my imprisonment you too be a part of the blessing of being in, in the work and the action of Christ And I'll be excited about that. I am excited about that. Paul expresses gratitude for the opportunity for them to experience and to know Christ in this way. The word there that he says uh, difficulties, which really is interesting to me. He uses the word difficulties in a way that really plays down his true situation. In in reality, would you say if, if you had been imprisoned wrongly, that you had been chained to a guard 24/7 that you were that you were literally awaiting a possible death sentence would you write somebody and say well i'm thanking you that you're concerned about my difficulties does that really express it do you think that was would you call somebody in this day and say well i'm having a little bit of a difficulty would you no you would be all you have no idea what i've been through you better call the prayer chain now. You don't know how I am suffering. Oh, oh, girl, girl, you haven't heard it. I mean, it would be an Oprah thing, wouldn't it? 
And then it'd be all about your suffering. But Paul doesn't put a lot of emphasis on it. He says, you know what? In fact, the word difficulties, it actually carries the idea of being squeezed. Being pressed. As you would squeeze the juice from a grape or you would press the oil from an olive. That's really the Greek emphasis there. When we think of difficulties, we think, oh, I can't get cell coverage. But in Paul's situation, his use of the word difficulties is really lighter than the reality of what he is going through in terms of his physical situation. But the word in being squeezed and being pressed has a purpose. Do you know that when problems present themselves to you and they squeeze you, what comes out of you is a revelation of the condition of your soul, not your spirit. Your soul. It's a revelation of what your soul has been feeding on. If you've been living to the, to the affections and the gifts of man, if you've been living for your comfort, if you've been living for the, the things that this world can give you, then what will come out of you will be despair and anguish. Because you haven't been given what you believe is your rightful existence on the planet. See, the soul wasn't meant for the cares of this world. The soul was meant for the preeminence of the Spirit of Christ, to bring about the life of Christ, the revelation of Christ in your mind, will, and emotions. Because in the presence of Christ, and in the very life of Christ, I can see truth in everything that I experience. I begin to experience Him in the difficulties and the trials, and I see that He is the great reward, not comfort. Not the perpetuation of my ease, but in Him. Paul declares that his strength, that the strength of his life is Christ. He plays down the physical suffering because he doesn't want suffering to be the focus. And he sees the blessing that is theirs for their participating in his suffering. Perhaps they were giving in recognition of Paul's need, but I can tell you that Paul was receiving in recognition of the Father's goodness. In the Father's hand. In verses 15 and 16, he makes mention of their consistency, of their faithfulness, and their faithfulness to the heart of the Father towards him. His thankfulness is unto God, that through their giving, they will surely be blessed. He says in verse 17, Not that I seek or am eager for your gift, But I do seek and am eager for the fruit which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. You see, it's not about the gift. It's about the relationship. You see, this is not a man-centered gratitude where Paul believes his provision is due to their love and generosity. This is a God-centered thankfulness. Where Paul sees them as fellow children of God, participating in the purposes of God, Christ's life and action in this circumstance. And you see, the harvest of blessing is spiritual. You see, God is, is the creator and the initiator of every good work. If you understand that, then you can receive all that he does through you as coming through, by, and out of his hand. God put His love in their heart. God awakened generosity in them. God gave them a heart for Paul. Then God empowered them to be obedient to that heart and to His will for Paul. And in all of that, all they had to do was yield. And then, because they yield, 
God wants to bless them. Now, do you see? Do you see the hugeness of all of that? It's not anything that they have done. God has allowed a circumstance in Paul's life. He has allowed a need to be created. And the, and the purpose of that need is the revelation of Christ for Paul and for the people that surround him. Because Christ is being manifested through Paul. But also, not just at Rome and in the prison, the purpose of that need is awakened in a little group. And God presses on their, on their heart to be generous. Now, you know, if I followed today's paradigm, I'd say, well, they saw the need and they gave to the need. No. That might be what their perception was, but God did not allow this need to test their generosity. The purpose in life for Paul is not to get his physical needs met. God allowed the need in order for Paul and for the Philippians to see his heart. That he was going to provide. You see in, the, in that verse that he makes, a, he makes a distinction between the gift and the fruit. He doesn't even tell you what the gift is. He makes a distinction. He says, not that I am eager for your gift. In other words, in a very polite and loving way, the gift is really not of consequence. Was, does that mean that Paul didn't need the gift? Well, I'm sure physically he probably did need the gift. The gift probably sustained him in some way. Or God wouldn't have allowed it to come through. But here's the real truth of it. The purpose of the gift was not that, that Paul could be sustained in his life, but that Christ could be revealed. That's it. Can you see Christ in it? And Paul was excited because, you know what? Philippians, you're getting to participate in the work and practice and action of Christ in this. You're getting to participate in His will. He's not training the the Philippians just to be generous. He's training the Philippians to see Jesus. Because in in the midst of all of this, he says, earlier, he says, I don't need anything. I have everything. I am sufficient in Christ. Self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. And as I said last week, what minister would write a church that? Well, you wouldn't do it, would you? But I'm telling you that Paul could do it. The reason Paul could do it is because he sees that every need is met in Christ. And he says, if I go hungry, my need's met in Christ. Is that talking about food? Now, Jesus said, I have food, you know, not of. My food and my nurture is to do the will of the one who sent me. What do you think Paul's food was? The same. So he says, I don't need any of this stuff, but thank you for sending it because I'm excited about what God is going to do in your life as you recognize him as life. Remember that God is the initiator. He initiated he created. You see, man, man was created with a need. He made us with a need for himself. And we were put on a planet that could meet a physical need, but could never meet the deepest need, which is our need for him. 
And when we get the idea that milking the planet to keep the physical alive is the purpose of life, the physical has got to be comfortable, it's got to be well fed, it's got to have all these... When we get that idea, we're totally upside down. We're man-centered. And we take these verses and we twist them and suddenly it's all about God meeting my needs. That's not what this is about at all, people. You've misdefined it if you defined it that way. Oh, it feels good to be able to have that verse to throw at God when you're, lo- when you're needing something, doesn't it? But Jesus says, I've met every need in you. You don't know what your need is. Does a sheep really know what his need is? Does he? He doesn't even know when to lay down. He doesn't know. This is not some key to material blessing. This is Paul telling them that in their capacity to know and experience God, it is expanding through their obedience. Paul makes a distinction between the material gift and the fruit which is spiritual that increases. And that fruit, that harvest, is the revelation of Christ. What is growing and ever increasing? We are complete in Christ, aren't we? What is growing and what is ever increasing in us is the expansion of what we have. Our understanding, our knowledge, our revelation of all that we have in Christ. That's what's ever growing. That's what's ever expanding in us. And you know where it expands? You know where it grows? In the soul. In the mind, will, and emotions. The place where we interact with living where we face the challenges of life, where we face the difficulties, where we feel the pain and the joy of living. What does that tell you? That tells you that the joy and the pain and the suffering and the celebration and the dull days and the exciting days and the, and the tedium of just living life is all part of expanding my knowing Him. That's its purpose. And it all comes about in the soul. 2 Corinthians 9.10 And God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increasing the fruits of your righteousness which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. That's what you're seeing right there. It's God expanding in them. You know we don't even recognize it. We get so man-centered, we get blinded to God's true purpose of the works that He's doing in our lives. God reveals it. He doesn't allow us to walk in darkness. We choose darkness when we keep it for any length of time. Because man has always chosen to believe that it's somehow based on what he does and how he acts and, and that God should be a responder, not an initiator. But you know what? That isn't the way God made us. He initiates it all. Look at that verse. God provides seed for the sower and bread for the eating. Will also provide and multiply. Who multiplies? He does. Your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness. What are you doing? In that verse, what is your activity? Yield. Yield to the truth of your life. Yield to the truth of your God. God did it all for their blessing. Paul didn't need their gift. Father had met all his needs, and so he wasn't anxious for the gift. But he told them in verse 6, he told them earlier in verse 6, he said, don't be anxious for anything. I'm not anxious for your gift. Don't be anxious for anything. 
You shouldn't be anxious for God to meet a need. Did you know that? I'm learning that one. You shouldn't be anxious for God to meet a need. Because here's the reality. God has met every need in Christ. Every need. He said he did not seek a gift, nor was he eager for one. In verse 18 he says, But I have your full payment and more. I have everything I need. And am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent me. They are the fragrant odor of an offering and sacrifice which God welcomes and which He delights. Who was it given to? God. It was given to God. Paul sees that. Paul's happy to be the instrument through which it was given. And he's happy that they're participating. You know, in the Old Testament, there were two types of sacrifices. Uh, One was to cover the sin with the blood. And the other was a sacrifice of thanksgiving for the sins being covered. That was God's rejoicing moment. That was what he took pleasure in. And in the Old Testament, he took pleasure in what he knew was to come. And in the New Testament, he takes pleasure in what has already been done. And the difference between the Old and the New is in the Old Testament, the blood just covered it. It was there, but it was covered. But in the New Testament, the glorious new covenant of our Christ, He did away with it all. It's all gone. Not just covered, it's gone. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life, moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.